Super Talk Mississippi media production. Southern Miss fans know the number one stop for Golden Eagle Apparel is Campus Book Mart on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Baseball, basketball, football, Campus Book Mart has it covered with clothing to fit the young and old, big and small Golden Eagle in your family. You can visit the store on Hardy Street, shop online at campusbookmart.net, or call in your order and have it mailed to your front door. However you choose to buy, always visit Campus Book Mart first. You won't be sorry. Campus Book Mart and Southern Miss, to the top. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to the midweek edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty, I'm in the First Bank Studio here in Hattiesburg. Luke Siloff, he'll be back tomorrow. Glad you're with us. Opening segment sponsored, as it is every day, by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. What a great place to enjoy fresh food seven days a week. Justin and the gang will take care of you. And remember, they cater any event, large or small. So if you have that kind of thing coming up, Make sure you give Dickies a call. All right, former quarterback Ulrich Young will be joining us later in the show. Kelly Center as well. But first, we want to kick off our Wednesday by going to the coast and uh, joining the professor, Patrick McGee, from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. And Patrick, uh, you published an article about Southern Miss defense, uh, football, of course. We all long for the days of the old Southern Miss defense. Uh, Do you think maybe we're beginning to head back in the right direction? Well, I, I, if you look to see where uh, Southern Miss has made additions through transfers, uh, you got Everett Cunningham out of Memphis. you got the, the Sean Crawford of Virginia Tech, who I think has got a, a good ch- a chance to be a big impact player for Southern Miss this season. They just added uh, Joe Gill out of Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, a big guy. We can talk a little bit more about him if you want. But <clears throat> it's if whenever you talk to Austin Armstrong and really kind of go through the different position groups, you can tell he feels fairly good about most every area on the team. I think there's maybe potential to upgrade in one or two other, one two spots, but you look at the numbers he has in the secondary at linebacker. Uh, he, you know, he seemed relatively optimistic that Hayes Maples can get back and help this season. Uh, but the, you know, they've got talent at linebacker with Latham, Raheem Booth coming back on the defensive line. You've added those transfers. I think overall, he feels like he has a good group to work with. And he likes their buy-in so far and showing up for meetings and doing everything asked of them. So I think, you know, from where we were to end last season, they got progressively better after a really rough start to the season. And going into the spring where you kind of saw them, you know, signs of promise, but you just don't know. But sitting here a month or two out, I think Austin Armstrong is feeling pretty good about the group he has. All right, the kid from the Gulf Coast, Joker McGill, will have the best name on the team, no question about that. Is he an impact player, Patrick? Yeah, Joker Gill, he's he's 6'6", about 260. Um, he played at Gulf Coast. He, he, he was on the – you know, he had kind of a, a role player as a freshman. During a five-game uh, five season, he played a, a bit more and uh, didn't really get to the quarterback much. But I think when you see a guy, he had a Nebraska offer. He had signed with Central Florida uh, back in, in December. He was there. Things didn't work out. He's in the transfer portal. 
the same day he's in the transfer portal, he gets an offer from Southern Miss. And here just this week, he committed to the Golden Eagles. I think, you know, Southern Miss just hasn't had many guys that look like that, you know, the 6'6", 260 on the defensive end. So, if anything, you're adding somebody with a tremendous upside. Uh, I think everybody has just seen the potential in him whenever you saw a lot of these uh, Power 5 programs that are really giving him a look. So, whether he makes an impact in year one remains to be seen, but I, I think everybody – sees that frame and that athletic ability, and he's got a chance to be pretty good. We talked about this a little uh, on the show earlier this week, but it does it does appear that this coaching staff, while they've recruited kids from you know skilled positions, they've really focused on beefing up the defensive and offensive lines. Yeah, and I think there's the potential that they would add another defensive tackle if they can get one here in the summer. I think that's maybe the last one thing they would really like to do. Uh, but, yeah, on both sides of the ball, they've had two or three guys on the offensive line. Bryson Mays got a chance to compete there for the starting left tackle job. And uh, Cunningham, who they signed back in December, but didn't get here to uh, sign back in December, but didn't get here until the summer. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think they knew they had to do an upgrade there on both sides of the ball, uh, guys that can contribute and play right away, and I think they've done that. So I, uh, Southern Miss hasn't been a, a good along the line of scrimmages along the line of scrimmage, they haven't been good enough. They've just been kind of mediocre. Uh, we saw some progress last year on the offensive line. they got to start getting better there as well. So I think they saw that there was, you know, stuff they had to fix there on both sides of the ball, and I think we'll find out come, you know, that season over against South Alabama, but I think they're in a better position than they were to wrap up spring practice. As you look at the team right now on paper, obviously the, the strength of this team would be what, and, and the weakness of this team would remain what? You know, uh, that's a really good question. Uh, what's this offense going to be built around? Uh, I think we saw the strength at times last year was the ground game and, you know, really kind of building on what Frank Gore is able to do and really kind of building offense around what he does best. But the key is keeping him healthy. Uh, you know, you know Trelo showed a lot of promise, I thought, in the spring. Uh, you know, they've got good receivers. I think maybe that's the – the strongest position group on the offense is there at the receiver, but you also lost Dequan uh, Bailey Brown there at the end of the spring, so that's a little bit of a position you got to figure out, even though you do have some experience there in the slot. So, uh, you know, I, I think maybe the strength of this team is maybe in the in, at, at running back with Frank Gordon and possibly in the front seven of those linebackers on defense. But it's not like you're seeing one position group where you're thinking, oh, my gosh, they're great there. Uh, but I, I don't think there's any also no glaring concerns. Quarterback? Uh, yeah, I mean, Trey Lowe has, has got a chance to be pretty good. Uh, Key's out of uh, Taylorsville. He's obviously going to come in and try to make a case for it, but it was pretty obvious to me that Trey Lowe is going to be the guy, and I think he's got a chance to be good there. He played really well against Florida Atlantic, closed out the season. If he's that consistent as a passer, he's got a chance to put Southern Miss in a position to win football games. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 would, I would be pretty darn surprised if Lowe isn't your starter come game one. One man's opinion, that being mine, I think six and five would be a, a a real good year for progress. Seven and four would be an outstanding season. Yeah, yeah, I think so. If hitting the five hundred mark has got to be really kind of the goal for this football team. If you win six games, you're bowl eligible, and anytime you can get into a bowl game in year one, especially in a situation where you're in a rebuild mode with Will Hall, the first year head coach. Uh, that would be a successful season. Uh, but as we all know, uh, football season, how successful you are is how healthy you stay 
and uh, how consistently productive you are on a week-to-week basis. So uh, we'll see. But, yeah, I, I think 500 is a realistic goal. All right, Patrick, a few minutes that we've got left. I want to I ask you about, obviously, the elephant in the room, Mississippi State baseball tonight, playing for a national championship. And, uh, you know, I wonder, I look back on the year, and, and I know how good Southern Miss was, uh, how good Ole Miss was. Uh, I don't think there's a huge difference between any of the three schools, to be honest. I think on a given night, now I want you to tell me if you disagree, I think on a given night any of the three could have beaten any of the three. But Mississippi State is the one in the spotlight. And if the Bulldogs win the national championship tonight, uh, in addition to the seasons that Ole Miss and Southern Miss had, what does that say uh, what does that say to the nation about the state of college baseball in the Magnolia State, Patrick? Well, I think it's it's really a brand that's been kind of growing here in recent years uh, with what the state's done with their baseball stadium. Ole Miss has really got it rolling there. You know, possibly the best atmosphere of the game is in Oxford. And then, you know, you have in Hattiesburg, you know, far and away one of the better power, you know, group of five programs uh, that, you know, you get in terms of attendance. Uh, I think – it would be a big boost to Southern Miss and Mississippi State wins a national title. I think you see more and more uh, top talent from out of state coming into Mississippi wanting to play in that environment. So uh, you're right. There's not that big of a gap, not that big of a gap between a Southern Miss or a state or Ole Miss and a Southern Miss. Uh, I think maybe, you know, uh, it's just depth at certain positions, especially on the pitching staff, where you see the difference from, a say, from an Ole Miss or a state and a Southern Miss when, when Southern Miss had a really good pitching staff this season. Uh, just state really had that depth in the bullpen, and I think the bullpen is really what's made a huge difference for Mississippi State to win this World Series. So that's, but yeah, I think Mississippi State winning the World Series is a lift for Southern Miss. And, you know, doesn't hurt Ole Miss, even though they're going to be fairly miserable over it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the Mississippi is the best college baseball state in the nation. I, I, I don't think many people would really argue with that. So that's interesting. You you said Southern Miss benefits if Mississippi State wins the national title tonight. Yeah, it just ups the you know the atmosphere within the state, and 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 knowing that Mississippi is a state that cares about college baseball. You have the LSU's, the Texas A and M's, the South Carolinas, and Arkansas's, but you know in Mississippi there's three programs that played a really high level and get really good support. So. It would just kind of, you know, emphasize that fact that Mississippi is is really the center of the college baseball universe. I would agree, and I have a sense Mississippi State is going to win it tonight. Patrick, what are your thoughts? I lean a little bit towards State uh, in, in this situation. They have the almost a home field advantage in a way, and they're really hitting the ball well right now. While Vandy is, is you know, aside from that one inning where State really just kind of gave it to them uh, there in game one, I, I think State's just hitting the ball better and they've got a better atmosphere and uh, better support there in Omaha. Interesting conversation. Patrick, always enjoy my conversations with you. Look forward to having you back on the show next week, brother. All right. Thanks, Bob. Patrick McGee, everybody, the professor for the Biloxi Sun-Herald, best sports writer in Mississippi as Jimi Hendrix carries us out.
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Looking for the best selection of Southern Miss apparel you'll find anywhere on the planet. It's easy. It's Campus Bookmart on Hardy Street. They're open Monday through Saturday. You can shop them online at campusbookmart.net. You can even call Miss Kathleen, tell her what you're looking for. She'll find it in the store and mail it to you. Campus Bookmart and campusbookmart.net. We're reminiscing this week, and are going to do that throughout the summer, we hope, about uh, some of the great times in Southern Miss sports history. And uh, so I'm very excited to have Ulrich Young on the show now. He was a quarterback for the Golden Eagles from 86 through 1988, uh, played for Jim Carmody, and I uh, believe his last year was the first year of Curly Hallman. And uh, Mr. Young, glad to have you back on the Eagle Hour. Well, thank you for having me. You know, you and I were talking briefly before we went on the air, and when I was doing some research for the interview today, I'm just, I just think that young Southern Miss fans need to hear this sort of thing. In 1986, uh, your first year there, uh, the Golden Eagles finished 6-5. and five. That year you played Alabama, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Kentucky, Memphis, East Carolina, Florida State, and Louisville. You beat Louisville, East Carolina, Mississippi State, and Memphis – that today would be the kind of schedule that, uh, if you did well through it, would put you in the final four of college football. But that was just an every that was an every year schedule when you were there. Am I right? That's correct. You know, like you said, uh, it's ironic. You know, we'd be playing in the playoff for you know certainly some bowl, but you know at that time, that was just typical of every year. We played a tough schedule like that. And although we may have went six and five and seven and three, we had some really tough opponents and played some tough games and did well. Yeah, no question. Some of the losses were very close to, uh, you know, the top level competition. Now I'm going to take you to 87. The, the team goes six and five. You beat Mississippi State. You beat Louisville. You beat East Carolina. You guys own Mississippi State. I don't, I don't guess you were ever in a game that, uh, that Mississippi State beat Southern Miss. But I want to take you back to the uh, to the game that was very historic at the time. And I, I was there, and I, and I think it was much tougher than everybody thought it was going to be. And that was in 1987 when Jackson State came to the Rock, packed house. Talk about that day, Art. Uh, that everybody was excited. The school, the players, you know, we're, we're playing a – uh, 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 interstate uh, school that's there in the state. Uh, a lot of those guys that played against us in high school and so forth. So there was a lot of excitement around the school, around the players. And, of course, you know, we did think that we would do pretty well. But, you know, early on in the game, we realized it was going to be a tough game. And it was. But fortunately, you know, we had some luck. James Henry, I think, ran back a uh, – a punt return, and uh, we got up six points, I believe, and we were able to come out on top. But it was a, a lot tougher game than we expected. Yeah, it was very, it was very historic as well. What did, what, what did it? That, did you guys that were on the team did did you soak up the historic aspect of it, or were you just young football players and it was an opponent coming into the rock and you knew you couldn't let them beat you? Well, I, I, I think you know us being young players. You know, we, we, we understand that there was some historical significance with the game. I think looking back, you know, I, I, I probably didn't realize how historical it was, but, you know, it, it was very historic, and, and we did understand the significance of it. 
And the Jackson State players, all credit to those kids, man. They came in and they played you guys hard, didn't they? They really did. You know, really, they 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 reminded me of our team. You know, when we would go into a Louisville or Kentucky or Alabama, you know, because we felt we could beat those guys and compete with them. And I think Jackson State showed up for you know there in Hattiesburg with the same type of attitude. And when you guys played the Alabamas, the Texas A&Ms, the East Carolinas, the Louisvilles, there was a lot of mutual respect on the field. Am I right? I mean, those teams had great respect for the tradition of Southern Miss football. You know, like you said, I think, you know, the tradition spoke for itself, and they were well aware of that uh, tradition of just, you know, guys who were blue-collar, from blue-collar families who had just worked hard and willing to play hard and had, you know, got the opportunity to play out of school, and they knew that it was going to be a tough game when Southern Miss, when they played against Southern Miss. Right. 88, it all comes together. Curly Hallman comes in. That's your senior year. You guys go 10-2. and two. Uh, You beat uh, Virginia Tech, East Carolina, Louisville, Mississippi State. Again, I'm sure they were getting tired of y'all by then. Memphis, the only games you lost that year were to Florida State and Auburn. But here's a question that I've always had in my mind. Was all of that Curly Hallman or did Coach Hallman, with all due respect to him, win with Jim Carmody's players? I think you got to give uh, – I, I mean, both were great coaches, but I think you got to give Coach Hallman some credit, uh, you know, because I, I, I think some of those games we played, you know, to the best of our abilities and – he he did motivate us uh, a pretty good bit and had us believing in ourselves. You know, I, I don't want to take any credit away from Coach Carmody. You know, like I said, he was a great coach as well. But you got to give Coach Tallman some credit. Sure, you do. What was the biggest difference in the two men, Art? Um, I I, I think uh, for me, and I had more of experience with uh, Coach Tallman. Coach Hallman was, uh, he didn't hide his emotions or how he felt, you know. And uh, he, he really, you know, got us, uh, I guess, mentally prepared for the game, excited about the game. And his excitement, I think, resonated with the players. And he was more of a, of, a, of a motivator. Is that what I'm hearing, that, that maybe Coach Carmody? He was, and I'm not saying Coach Carmody wasn't a, a motivator, but, you know, uh, Coach Hallman, he didn't hide it. You know, his, his emotions were right there. You know, if he wasn't happy, you, you were aware well of that. You know, he was going to make it be known. You know, uh, I can remember at practices him grabbing a couple of folks and, you know, just getting in their face and, you know, everybody getting excited and their attention levels are up, you know, but it, it was an exciting time. No question. All three of your years, you uh, played and beat Mississippi State. I didn't see Ole Miss on the schedule. I guess by the time you got there, Allwork, they had had enough of the Golden Eagles. Is that fair to say? They had. I, I mean, that <laughs> I was excited and looking forward to it, possibly getting an opportunity to play against Ole Miss or interstate rivalry. But like you said, they had totally had enough of Southern Miss and uh, wasn't even entertaining <laughs> putting us on the schedule at that time. Currently, uh, the, currently, there is no quote-unquote starting quarterback at Southern Miss, so there'll be a real competition 
when practice opens up uh, to see who wins that job. As a guy that competed for starting jobs at quarterback on a, on a major level yourself, what advice do you have for these kids that will be competing, and what do you expect to see in the way of a quarterback competition in fall camp, Art? Uh, My advice first, I would tell them, just study hard, work hard, be determined, and give the best effort 100% of the time every day. You know, uh, a competition like that, it's going to be tough. You know, they're going to have a lot of talented guys out there, and of course, you know, the the program, the coach wants to win, and they're going to go with their best guy. You know, the, the, the advice I would give them, you know, like I said, is to, you know, work hard, study, and, and, you know, concentrate on what they have to do. All right. Most of us don't have the luxury of having memories of being a Division One college football player, but when you look back on your college career, is there one game, one day, one situation that is the first that comes to your mind? Uh, of course, for me, that would be uh, in 80. Uh, that would have been our 87 season when we beat um, Mississippi State in the last two minutes. And the reason that comes to mind, of course, I'm biased. I had a great game. Uh, it's probably the only game I had, but I had a great game. That game, I was 6-for-6. Six six. And, of course, we came back in the uh, last two minutes to beat uh, Mississippi State after being down. So uh, that was a very exciting time for me and uh, that year, you know. Was it different when you guys were on the field playing Mississippi State? And and I mean that from both sides of the line of scrimmage. Was there a lot of back-and-forth talking? Was there a lot of chippiness? Or was it just clean, competitive football? There's always a lot of back and forth when you're talking about an interstate rivalry. You know, you're talking about bragging rights. You know, normally you're talking about a lot of guys that know each other because they played against each other on the high school level. So there's a lot of back and forth, and and those are games. I I wouldn't say you put out extra effort, but you really want to win. Right, right. Well, look, you had a great career here. You're a big part of Southern Miss football history. We're always uh, grateful to have you on the Eagle Hour. And uh, real quickly, we've got about 30 seconds. So let folks know what you're doing now, Art. Uh, currently, I work with the uh, City of Laurel Housing Authority as the executive director. We manage all of the affordable housing in Laurel and Jones County. I've been there for about 25 years or so. And just having a great time, uh, having an opportunity to have a positive impact on people's lives. Great conversation, Ulrich. Thank you so much for your time, sir. Hey, thank you for having me. All right. Ulrich Young, everybody, former quarterback, great man, Southern Miss football history. We'll be back. Southern Miss to the top. I want to thank Albert Young for joining us in that last segment. Great conversation about Golden Eagle football back in the mid and late 80s and just how dominant they were over Mississippi State and what tremendous schedules that the Golden Eagles played uh, back in those days. This segment sponsored by one of our favorite places, 4th Street Bar and Grill, 
Kelly and I believe it's the best plate lunch in Hattiesburg. And I'm, in fact, I'm making a point of having a little catfish tomorrow, I think, at lunch. I'm going to head to Forest Street Bar Grill. And I guarantee you they'll have a lot of cool games on the on the TVs over the weekend and uh, great food seven days a week. Probably check them out tonight and catch the finals of the College World Series would be my guess. Fourth Street Bar Grill, we really appreciate their support of our show. All right, Kelly Sander joins me now from his Palladial Palace out in the behind the gated community in Canebrake. And the, Kelly, how how are things in Canebrake today? I don't know, Bob. I don't. I pay somebody to pay attention to that stuff. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm I'm too busy trying to keep track of of a little bit about a lot of things going on in the world of sports. And let's start with Southern Miss. Of course, one of the things the pandemic, unfortunately, uh, is making schools come to grips with. Uh, unless, of course, you're one of the top five, you know, in the in the SEC is uh, money and how to generate money to keep your athletic programs afloat. Well, Southern Miss is getting into the beer brewing business. It was announced today that Southern Miss, along with Hattiesburg-based Southern Prohibition Brewing Company, are coming together to brew a specifically designed craft beer that will be available at The Rock coming this fall for the upcoming football season. And football fans are being asked to vote on what they want to call this lager beer. You can go to Southern Prohibition's Instagram site and you can vote for the name To the Top or Gold Rush. And you'll be able to see each of the cans that, that, the, uh, that the new brew will go into. So again, both of them will be lagers and it'll be the same formula of lagers, but it'll either be called To the Top, which will feature a black can with a old rustic logo, or the Gold Rush name, in a gold can, but it also will have a throwback logo. And you'll be able to vote through tomorrow, July 1st, on Instagram. Go to Southern Prohibition Brewing Company and cast your vote as to which can and brew you would like to see offered at uh, The Rock coming this fall. The announcement as to what the decision will be will come on July 2nd. But it's just one thing, Bob, that, uh, that schools are right. they're forcing to come up with other ways of generating you know, revenue. If people aren't going to buy tickets, if they're not going to do this, they're not going to do that. Um, you know, it's it's certain. It's a great looking, great looking can. Both the to the top can and the the gold rush can, mm-hmm. but a unique idea, and uh, right. it's going to be put into place. And I, I do want to step up now publicly and volunteer that uh, you know, if if the brewery wants to send a few cases over to my house, I'll be glad to sample it over the summer. And uh, make sure that you know. Make sure the brew is what they're looking for before the kickoff, Kelly. Bob, your generosity never ceases to amaze yeah, me. The things I'll do for the program—it's just there's no limit. And well, I was—I was going to say the things you do for free beer, but nonetheless. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but of course, by by Southern Miss marketing that with Southern Prohibition themselves, Southern Miss gets to keep a lot more of that money uh, as opposed to sending it to a, a national brewery or so on. Again. Just a way to be able to, to generate uh, more funds. In other right. news from Conference USA, the Michael Slive Athletes of the Year were named today. Anastasia Hayes, who is a basketball player from Middle Tennessee, she has been named the Female Athlete of the Year. And on the men's side, the Michael Slive Athletes of the Year are co-recipients. Victor Diaz, a member of the Marshall men's soccer team that won the national championship, Victor Diaz is one of those recipients along with Keegan Chamati, who is a track and field star with Middle Tennessee. So, again, the 
Mike Slive Athletes of the Year were named today. Hard to believe that uh, the track and field program in, at Middle Tennessee, um, you know, getting more accolades than Southern Miss from the conference. But nonetheless, that's the way it came out. In the Southland Conference, they have reached an agreement with ESPN that every single Southland home football game this fall will be televised on the ESPN family of networks. That was announced this morning, a big jump forward for the Southland as they try to to market themselves as a higher-up football conference. Obviously, have some way to go, but the fact that all 30 football games will be on the ESPN networks in some way, shape, or form is certainly a step forward. Also in football in the NFL, the New Orleans Saints offensive tackle Ryan Ramchek has agreed to a five-year, $96 million extension. $60 million of it is guaranteed. That now makes Ryan Ramchek the highest-paid offensive tackle in the, in the National Football League. Just reinforcing what we said yesterday, Bob, that you win games on the offensive and defensive lines. And Ramchek has been really reliable for New Orleans, and he's being rewarded now by being the highest-paid offensive tackle in the National Football League. And one note out of college baseball, Cal State Fullerton has found their new head coach, Jason Dietrich, is going back to Cal State Fullerton. The last two years he has served as the pitching coach at East Carolina. Of course, the Pirates had a great couple of years under his leadership on the pitching staff. He's a former member of the staff at Cal State Fullerton. So he's going back after serving two years as the pitching coach at East Carolina, Jason Dietrich the new head baseball coach at Cal State Fullerton. So that's a little bit about a lot of things as we get you up-to-date with down-to-earth sports information across the country in the state. Well, that's a pretty prestigious coaching job, Cal State Fullerton. I think they've been a little down the last couple of years, but that's a nationally prominent baseball program. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, when you say down, you know, they only won about 30 games this year. (laughs) (laughs) That would be down for the Titans, right? (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, that, that just shows you the perspective that people have. For for example, you know, to put it closer to home, if the Eagles were to win 30 games next year, people would, would probably consider it a disappointing year. Right. You know, just because that bar each year, you know, continues to go up as to what's expected. And you'll talk to the coaches and they'll say, well, that's exactly the way we want it. You know, you want people to have those expectations because then the players will have those expectations. And it, you know, kind of, it's a feeding frenzy among, among everyone. But uh, there would be a lot of schools out there who would be thrilled to death to have a 30-win baseball season. But it's all, you know, it's all kind of relative. But you're, you're right about that. Cal State Fullerton, Jumbos have always been a, a team to reckon with, but not so much lately, and that's why they made a change. Well, no question about that. Go back to the Saints for just a minute, Kelly. I just wonder about the New Orleans Saints. With uh, Obviously, the, the elephant in the room for the Saints will be the retirement of their Hall of Famer quarterback, Drew Brees. Who do you see stepping up? Is it going to be Jameson Winston? Is it, it going to be the, the – I forget the guy's name, but the guy that uh, plays – so, Yeah, I mean, who do you see leading that team down there this year? And I, and I know there's a, there's a lot of concern out there, Bob, but here's what I point to. You remember when Drew Brees got hurt last year? The Saints just went right along and, and won like six with, out with of the Jason, With Jason Hill quarterbacking, right? Right. Yeah, Jason Hill was in there. So uh, I, I think that they're just – it's going to be business as usual. With them, I don't, I don't see that it's the, uh, and and no disrespect, obviously, to the career of Drew Brees, but I mean, even people uh, inside the NFL were noting how Drew Brees could not throw the ball down the field as much as he used to, and of course, I couldn't either, as I was pushing right. forty years old. You just can't do things like you used to, but because he couldn't do that, teams could could more contain 
the New Orleans Saints offense, and that's right, how Tampa right. Bay beat them in the playoffs. Right. So, you know, I don't think they're going to give up a whole lot. I think they're going to be just, just fine. That young man's now, name is Taysen Hill. Am I right about that? Right, that's yeah, right. right. Yeah, he's out of, out of BYU. Well, you see, and I he, think they're more dangerous with somebody like him. He's young. He's athletic. No, and, again, no disrespect to the guy that's going to be in the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. But uh, aren't the Saints a little more dynamic with a young, uh, athletic quarterback like that? Yes, when you have a quarterback that can that, – that if he can run – you know, then then that just adds, you know, the dimension, um, and that just adds another dimension. You know, the Ravens quarterback is like that. I mean, he right. can run. The problem with quarterbacks that can run, though, lots of times, I'm told, is that lot, they, they won't let patterns develop with their wide receivers. If the wide receivers aren't open immediately, they tend to tuck the football and run, and therefore they run too much, which causes durability problems because the likelihood of them getting hurt you know, increases the more they run. And when you're the quarterback, you, you can't be getting hurt, not in that league or any league for that matter. I well, mean, well, there's no question the Saints are loaded with talent, regardless right. of who the quarterback is. They're a very talented team. You know what the biggest problem facing the Saints is going to be? I don't know. Who's in their division? They, yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say no. to play the Redskins. Or the, well, no, that would be a, that would be a, a, a good that would be a good thing for them. Uh, they've oh, got yeah. to play the Bucks twice, you know, right. and, and and the Bucks are no doubt going to be the favorite to repeat and win the Super Bowl. Am I right? And, and the Panthers are going to be better. Right. Um, the Falcons are ne- never easy for the Saints, even if they should be. Yeah, that, right. that, those two teams always seem to to knock it. So it'll, it'll be a fun division to watch. But as far as uh, you know, I think the Saints will be. I think they'll be just fine. Right. All right, when Kelly comes back, uh, we want to finish up the show the last few minutes. It's a short segment, and I'm going to get the same uh, – I'm going to ask the same question of Kelly that I asked of Patrick McGee. Kelly, Patrick said that Southern Miss benefits tonight if Mississippi State wins the College World Series. I want you to digest that during the break and, uh, and give us your opinion when we come back. Kelly and I will wrap up the Eagle Hour right after this. D-Bat, D1 Training in Hattiesburg. They're located on Hardy Street. It's a place to take your child over the summer. If they aspire to improve their softball or baseball game, the experts there can help them do that. And uh, they can also help you if you're an adult athlete and you want to maybe improve your tennis game or your golf game or just get in better shape. Uh, the experts at D-Bat, D1, D1 and D-Bat uh, have a program for everybody, irregardless of age, irregardless of sports, and they're located on Hardy Street. We appreciate their partnership with the Eagle Hour. All right, Kelly Center was talking to the professor earlier in the show. He said that um, 
obviously the big game tonight, Mississippi State Vanderbilt for the national championship. Uh, Patrick believes that uh, a Mississippi State win tonight will benefit Southern Miss baseball as well as Ole Miss baseball because it will just further the brand of Mississippi having the best college baseball programs in the state and encourage uh, you know good out-of-state players to want to come here and get on board with one of the three programs. Your thoughts? I, I would go a step further and say that, that it's already happened. Uh, even if Mississippi State doesn't win tonight, the recognition that the Bulldogs have brought the state of Mississippi. And when you look at the population of our state, you know, which is relatively sparse compared to a lot of other states in this country, and the fact that Ole Miss was in a regional, obviously Mississippi State, Southern Miss, and really, to be fair, Jackson State should have been in a regional. I mean, all the Tigers did was, was win every game in the SWAC this year except the, the last game. Yeah. Right. Right. which is the one they, they needed to win in order to get the automatic bid. So Jackson State, for all practical purposes, should have also been in regionals. There's four universities in a, in a sparsely populated state that should have been playing in a national tournament. So that, that speaks to the baseball acumen and talent of, of kids in this state playing baseball. A lot of it has to do with... And the fact that kids start playing baseball, you know, so young, now that's also creating a different set of problems you know, as far as wear and tear on arms, and we've talked about that on this show. But, yeah, I don't even think Mississippi State has to win tonight. I think it's already brought, shined a great light on our state as far as this is a great baseball hotbed, a great place to, to play baseball at the college level. And you know what I think goes unnoticed in all the accolades, the deserved accolades of the three Division One baseball programs, and, and Jackson State has really developed a good baseball program, is the great junior college baseball program that provides many of these players, Kelly, to all three of them, really all four of the schools. And, and because of the backlog now of, of, you know, the NCAA granting extra years because of COVID, Junior colleges now, if players did not consider it an option before, certainly are considering it now. I mean, Jones, right up the road from the studios there in Hattiesburg and south of Laurel, Jones, you know, won a a national baseball championship not long ago. Pearl River uh, in Poplarville was ranked in the top three in all year this year. Um, You know, Northwest has always had a great baseball program. Northeast was good this year. So, and Gulf Coast had a great year. So, almost top to bottom, Bob, in, the, in MACCC now. Um, great baseball programs. As far as ath- athletics go, baseball in the MACCC is the strongest from top to bottom. I mean, you got a few studs in the MACCC in football, you know, the East Mississippi's, the Gulf Coast's. Those teams are, you know, seem to be a cut above the rest. Pearl River has claimed basketball for the past two years. But in baseball, it's pretty much been anybody's game. And that's, that makes it good for everybody. It makes it good for the fans. It makes it good for the players. You never know who's going to win. You have to go out there and play it. You and know, so you hard. would agree that the, that the junior college system uh, is not going to get in this spotlight, but, but it does feed a lot of the greatness of the Division One programs of the state. And, and a lot of those guys go on to the major leagues. Right. I mean, the Anderson kid for, for the Chicago White Sox, you know, practically leading the American League in hitting, he played at East Central Community College. Right. You know, I mean, that, that's just one example. You could go on and on the number of great players in Major League Baseball that came through the Mississippi Junior College system. Right. 
And, and you know. not to ignore the story Division II baseball program at Delta State. That's a tremendous yeah. baseball program. Yeah. And, the, and the really, really good baseball program, uh, NAIA baseball program, right here in Hattiesburg at William Carey, uh, Kelly. Two, two further cases, Bob. Well, baseball, really, football pays the bills. It always, ha- always has in the South, probably always will. But as far as talent from year to year, coast-to-coast, border-to-border in this state, you know, we're popping at the seams with baseball talent. Yeah, baseball I mean, is uh, the king. You're right. It, as far as talent goes, you know, right. I would and, – and there would be some that would argue that, but I, I, I think it's a really strong case that you make for it, that talent-wise, uh, baseball-wise, per capita, Mississippi's king. Ten seconds left. Mississippi State do it tonight, Kelly? Well, they've got their stud going, and Vanderbilt's got their stud going. So you, you've got both teams lined up exactly the way you want it to go. May the best team win. I hope they both play the best game they can possibly play and then let the chips fall where they may. But I'm cheering 100% for the Bulldogs. I don't say this very often, and I say it in a baseball context and just for tonight. But hail State. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. Slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Talk Mississippi Media Production.